Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me, as has been our want every Christmas thus far, is my dear friend Sarah. How are you, Sarah? I'm all right. Dear listener, you might think, oh, I thought they only retired two weeks ago. How come they're back? <laughs> uh, classic, classic sports retirement. Here we are back. No, that's why, because before we started recording, Sarah actually forbade me from saying as always, because I usually say as always, but as always is not always now. So, yeah, but we have, over the years that we've been talking, been in the habit of recording a Christmas Eve podcast, and it is currently Christmas Eve. And so here we are recording a podcast. Yes. And what we want to do is we want to talk a bit about uh, what over the years, the posts on our website, prowomenscycling.com, that have been like the most viewed or the most engaged with. Mm. And and what that's kind of says about, uh, about, I guess, about women's cycling, but also about how it's changed. Yeah. And, and also the things that, um, you know, that, that just reveal a bit about the audience there too, which I think could be interesting and and useful to a whole raft of people um, inside and outside of the sport. So yeah, but also we did want to take a moment and just say thank you to everyone who got in touch with us and made a comment and, um, and particularly because the, the overwhelming majority of them were nice comments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excuse me if I if I turn to a racking cough, it's because I've I've got the Christmas nergy. So you have to ignore me if if I suddenly go really silent. It's because I've put my mic mute on and I'm coughing my guts up. Basically, I can't laugh. Yeah, yeah, if you can't hear Sarah for a moment, just assume that she's losing parts of her lung. Um, mm. And yeah, unfortunately for her, laughter does seem to trigger it. So the odds are pretty narrow on whether or not she'll survive this recording attempt. <laughs> there she goes. So... But, but people, people were really lovely. And thank you. Thank you very much. It was yeah. really emotional and sweet and lovely. And, you know, we really love and appreciate all of you. And that was that was really good. Um, yeah, I particularly liked the guy who was like, when greeted by us going, was basically like, good. I don't like you swearing. <laughs> I love I is... love that he called me infantile and his his screen name was something like Captain Wanks a lot or whatever. <laughs> like, his screen you. name was basically three um three ch- child euphemisms for genitals. Yeah. Uh, it was like Mr. McBumley face or something. It's like, yep, I'm taking taking that to heart. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, good time. Sorry, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, laughing no, is choking. Yes. I, I, and actually, thank you to everyone who said nice things to Dan, because I felt really guilty, because, because Ella Cycling Tips had no. done a piece on me. People were, like, saying really lovely things about me, and I'm like, oh, but you should be saying lovely things about Dan, because without Dan, none of this would have happened. It was all Dan's idea for the podcast, and he's done the tech nah, support for it. No, 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 no. my biggest leader and supporter, and last last week, last time you caught me unawares with saying nice things about me. <laughs> and, then, but and, then, and then I pressed stop on the recording, so you didn't have a chance to reciprocate. It's fine. I'm Australian. <laughs> I get suspicious if people say nice things for too long. So. <laughs> so yeah so let's talk about so we've been running this site i guess we started podcasting in 2012 and we didn't yeah. have a website for that and then we p- 
cut up the website sometime in 2012. Yeah, the I website could... came pretty quickly because um, we were hosting links to the podcast to download and stuff. So I, I would say probably mid-2012, like probably June. Yeah. And I was kind of writing in other places but gradually moved most of my online writing to here. Mm. And so let's tell you what the most – we're not going to give you the numbers because <laughs> I don't think you need numbers but um the most popular post on our blog over all time is vote for and buy your favorite 2017 women's cycling kits the world tour edition now let's be honest um those numbers are almost certainly at least partly massively skewed by teams vying for votes um but yeah, it's... basically that is that is that is that is a definite thing and also people checking what the results was to go oh my god it's so unfair but yes but the thing that i find really really interesting is that um while while that is clearly the the most popular post when you look down the list it's actually really in line with um several of the other most popular so the second is actually the exact same post from last year you know voting and oh, no, buying no, no, the second one was the best of the rest because i did these things i set up these posts as a selection of what the women's tour kits would look like um in the coming year and that was partly because i wanted to know and partly because i love a voting post and you know we did it on podium cafe first they had an annual voting voting it voting post but it does make it easier to see if you know what the what the riders look like yep and there's not that much TV, women's cycling on TV. I was also doing it because it does help then spot people. I think yeah. it's an educational thing. But also, I really enjoy a good voting post. It obviously isn't going to give you objectively the best kit. It's going to give you the people who actually muster their fan bases. Well, and some people and there didn't is no, give a shit about us. Exactly. And there is no objectively best kit anyway. I mean, it's it's purely subjective. Yes, there is. If there, yes, if, there is. No, because the if, there was, just if there was objectively able to be a best kit, then then you could program it and Sky would have made it. So, no, you know. The best kit is Cervelo Test Team. That, the black and white and white that and black. Beloved mm, Sarah mm, so sexy. is demonstrating the extreme subjectivity of your quote unquote <laughs> objectively best kit. So, I know, mm. I'm teasing you. I've got an art degree. I'm teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an art degree. <laughs> oh I, have. I know you do. Oh. It's, just, it's, it's the first time I've ever heard that used as an earnest defense of anything. So. <laughs> I don't think it was earnest, but anyway, <laughs> you don't have to cough again, carry on talking. All right, right. Um, the, the thing is, though, as you go down, so like our third most popular post is the how not to try to sell uh, cycling clothing to women and three companies who get it right. Um, we've got the social media jersey in there. Um, team kit from 2016, cycling clothes for curvy girls. So I, I think one of the first key takeaways for me from looking back is that um, while team engagement and stuff was very helpful for those voting posts, there is, as you say, like a huge amount of interest in cycling kit for women in general. And I think that that's really yes. instructional in terms of... Um, you know, like, for example, the manufacturers and their respective marketing teams could stand to, to do a lot of improvement in this area. If, if these are our top scoring posts, then it's very clear that there is a lot of interest in information about these things. Yeah, yeah. And, and pretty much all of the top 10 are kit posts mm. in one way or another. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only ones that aren't about kits there's is how to watch the tour de france and that will come onto that it, yep. and the social media jersey yeah and i think there's and that's 
yeah i think there is something about people will buy women's cycling kits if you put them out there and it's and it's not just those ones there's well and always it, yeah, the it, ones that the ones that get posts because the po- you get posts which get a really large um which gets their large views straight away right yep and then you get the ones that are perennial that people that every week there'll be at least a couple of people clicking on my ones about um cycling clothes for curvy girls like that's something that i don't think anyone else is doing yeah and i was really worried that first post i wrote about trying to find cycling clothing as a curvy girl i was really embarrassed about writing it. i was in two minds about writing it because i feel really fat most of the time and cycling makes me feel fatter like yep. the fact that there aren't um... endurance sports do that because they idealize this extremely, you know, blow away in a strong wind wayfish body type. Um, yeah. You know, and and this is the thing, and and I know plenty of people who, uh, by any any normal standard, you know, not just not just um, fit or healthy, but like genuinely slender or whatever, who will still have comments when they hang out with professional cyclists. Like it just fucks with your head. It's yeah, just... and I think and I think there's this idea that buying the specialist kit, the biggest size is like size fourteen in the UK, which is not big by anyone's stretch of mm. imagination. But because like you say, like I mean they go down to really extra but I think this is something specifically about women because on the men's side, much bigger men than me can find men's kit yep. that fits them, and whereas for me, I'm as I'm a standard size. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not technically a. I'm not a plus size. I'm a standard. I'm a standard size. Yeah. Standard dress size that you could go into any shop on the high street and find clothes in my dress size. It's like yep. that's yep. just. It, they might not be cut right and stuff, but I'm not like I'm not. I'm not out of the market in general. It's yeah. just I'm completely out of the market and completely... And God, you know the worst thing, one of the worst, one of the stupidest things that's happened while we did this blog is the number of people who want me to work for free for them. And that's very <laughs> high. And yes. the most egregious was someone who... Uh, uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the companies, uh, one of those like young, trendy, fresh companies who wanted me to blog for free for them. And I said, like, oh, what, what are you planning? And they didn't put it up front. So I always go in pretending to be stupid right yeah oh that's great what what kind of what kind of remuneration are you offering yeah what's yep. your rates and they come back going oh well we don't actually have any money but we can send you some free kit so oh well i mean i've looked on your site and there's no kit i mean i've got a lot of cycling kit yeah but i've looked on your site and there's nothing there that actually fits me and they're like oh well you could sell it on ebay or something <laughs> <laughs> And it's oh. Like, oh and these are people who had actually known me before and bless them when they did used to do bigger kit had actually sent me some free kit so you know um yep. a free a free jersey right when they were right 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 when they were starting but i think they you know they, things happened in in some of these companies and that's really fascinating and i've had other people do that for me before oh can i send you some kit to review okay cool yeah i'm size i'm probably i like your kit but this only goes up to size 14 and at the time I was size 16, it's like, oh, well, it's a very generously cut size. I'm sure you yeah. fit into it. Like, yeah, oh, it's, it's like the the industry does seem to prey on the fact that um, that Lycra stretches, doesn't it? Like it's it, it's one of those, like just, just squeeze yourself into this. Like, no, 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 no. 
I mean, yeah. yeah, cycling kit is one of those things that makes even the most confident person self-conscious to some degree, at least. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, but it's also something where cycling kit, I never realized it when I was first just like piddling around on my bike and getting on rides. I never really realized how good cycling kit is. Like you don't yeah. necessarily know if it's something that you should be wearing. No, not but until then, you actually yeah. do wear it. That's the thing. It's one of those ones that you've got, you, you basically have to experience it because everyone, all your cycling friends who do use it will be like, no, no, you've got to, it. it'll change your life. It's amazing. It's so much better. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever you, I'm not joining your weird lycra cult. You psycho. And and then you try it and you're like, oh my God, why did nobody tell me? And all of your cycling friends are like, we fucking literally told you every day for three yes, years. Exactly, exactly. And then you get you always get someone who's just, I mean, I've never tried bib shorts, but apparently because I just can't even imagine the horror of trying to squeeze into them in a changing room, like there's no way. It would just be humiliating. But and Sarah, it seems Sarah, like bib shorts of- will change your life. Oh my God. Yeah, and then, but you know, like, you, you just know that when, when you know, if I ever did them, I'd be going, Dan, Dan, pip shots, they're amazing. You know, you just don't understand. And yeah. And just be and like, it, really? It, you don't say. So you think maybe I should try them? <laughs> yeah, and it's, exactly. And, it, and it's, I mean, even just a cycling jersey, something about it being cut so it comes down way low over your bum, so you yep. can, and with the elastic, you know, with the, with a kind of special elastic so it stays down there. Yep. The back pockets, oh the my pockets, god, are so yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah. The zips, everything about a cycling jersey is brilliant, and it's and it's gutting that there. Sometimes there's a bit of a weird fascism, a body fascism about about exercise, where people will simultaneously say, "Look at all those fat people over there; they should be doing more exercise." And then when people do start exercising, making it super hard. Like I've got a friend who, when he was jogging, would get people just shouting the most appalling abuse at him because he was a fat guy jogging like and my dad does this my dad saw my dad saw a, a girl on, on a bike he's oh look at her she's the size of a whale uh, it's like dad you're complaining that she's fat while complaining that she's doing something about it you know so, i mean my dad is overweight he's not like he, he he this was pot kettle moment but that's the thing isn't it and so mm. i guess the moral of this story about kit being so important is twofold one that if we want to open cycling up to a bigger audience, we need to make it bigger. You know, we need to make it bigger, literally. Yep. <laughs> we need to make it easier. We need to make buying it. Now, part of it is it's no matter what British cycling will tell you, cycling is still a niche thing yeah. in Britain. Yeah. And there's a vast number of men out there. And so I can see why if you're a boutique company, you'd only make sizes in people who already cycle, right? But equally, yeah. there's people like Wheel Woman, for example the australian company who are so fantastic and they do these really lovely bright patterned fun lots of different design kit jerseys in huge size i don't mean huge in a bad way in, in a oh my god you're so huge but just in a huge range of sizes yeah yeah you know and they also do nice rides for people they do all sorts of things like that so i guess my more my takeaway on that is if you are at all involved in kit or cycling or try or cycling promotion, just make it easier for your people who are who are who are who are in in, yeah. in bigger sizes. And Even if if you, if you don't sell it yourself, mm. explain why. Make it super easy. Like one of the things I found really hard was that every single person manages their sizing differently. Yeah. So, an an organisation that has a good sizing chart. So I can measure myself and know what you're talking about. Yep. 
that's and, fantastic. Please do that. Look, that's that's the that's the altruistic side of it. On the other side of it, like on the on the hardcore, you know, you're you're in it to make money, not friends. You know, business side of it. Like, sure, you could start your your new kit line and your new you know cycling kit brand and target the exact same audience that every other kit manufacturer is targeting. <laughs> yes. And compete for your tiny slice of that small pie in a big mess of, of people all trying to get attention from, you know, various professional teams or whatever. Or you could hit as we've, you know, now discovered through the sheer number of people who are who are coming and looking for this sort of stuff on our site, the the incredibly large audience who are frustrated by how hard it is to find i mean good god i haven't looked but imagine if for example the plus size cycling kit.com website was available Shit. <laughs> and, yeah and you just owned that and you just provided um, that oh my god maybe you would make a fortune who knows yeah, and I, and we haven't even SEO'd it up. You know, we're not even like yeah. putting in all the kind of keywords and buzzwords for, to make or to make it on find. Top of it, and I think that's the other key point that you touched on earlier. That's super important is that this isn't. It's genuinely an evergreen topic. Like we've we've you know, there's been content about it a few times, but the point is that every single one of those posts is in our top, you know, all time ten to twenty things ever. Yeah. You know, people keep yeah. coming and looking for it. And, and yeah, so there's definitely a, a wealth of, of people who are looking for your plus-size kit, dear kit yeah. manufacturer. Yeah, and dear kit site, if you are make it easier, for, if you do make your stuff in size, even if you just, just make it in size 16 and size 18, yeah, mm. make it explicit in your site somewhere. Make it easy for people to find it because people are looking for it and they're not finding it through your sites. They're finding it through my site. So, you and know, that's, that's really, you know, so just, just have on, a, you know, you don't even. On the other hand, Sarah is also currently accepting large cash offers to, um, to write this content for your site. So, you know, <laughs> with a proven track record of attracting an audience over multiple years. So, you know, assuming she doesn't die of, you know, lungishness, the, the black lung um, in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so takeaway two, by the way, is the thing that people do want to wear cycling kits, pro, pro team cycling yeah. kit, and that's men, women and men. One of my funniest things is is whenever I, because you know, throughout the year, I would put up posts about how to buy pro team cycling kit because yeah. bless their hearts, pro teams don't necessarily make this easy. No, well, I mean, to be fair to them, um, as as anyone who's tried to organise like a club jersey or whatever knows it can be hard to to manufacture enough kit and enough different sizes to meet the needs of a a, a diverse group of non-professional athletes um yes. and and but, it can be a hard thing and, and quite often needs a hell of a lot of pre-ordering to make it work yeah but even when people do have the kit for sale because the average cycling team the, and this is changing mm. but a lot of the cycling teams don't necessarily have the um the you know they don't have the the, the ability to just send someone out to do a marketing run on this every yeah. every now and again so i think people were generally surprised genuinely surprised that you could buy team kits but one of my favorite genres was dude getting really unhappy that they couldn't buy a, a couldn't buy a women's team kit yeah. in their in a men's cut and 
Dear I, I mean, it's got delicious double irony, doesn't it? Because there's like that that kind of hilarious thing of, you know, every woman that's wanted a men's team's jersey or whatever just going, yeah, yeah, now you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Orica, for example, you can't buy a women's, uh, you can't buy the Orica jersey, which was yeah. the same jersey for the women's and men's team in a women's cup. If you're an Orica fan and want to wear their jersey, you can't. And I think this is also something interesting was it does give – there's different motivations, right? And mm. for some people, they want to wear a team jersey, but they can't find a team jersey in a women's cut. Yep. So they end up buying a women's team a women's team jersey. Now, for a team like um, when you're doing when you're doing like uh, giant, oh, what are they called next year? I have no idea what they're called. Um, uh, what are they called? Black and white team of Sunweb. Thank yes. you. When now, when your Sunweb and your team kit is identical, this is just a win. Yeah, mm. like it doesn't matter whether you're promoting female fans of your men's team or or male or, or, or fans of your women's team. It doesn't matter. It's just yeah. one. It's just one team. And that means hurrah. You know, the sales sales are good. Right. But there are some teams kits who, who only were doing it for who are only a women's team. So they'd only make a women's team kit. But yep. yeah, the number of times I've been told as a woman, oh, well, just buy a man, just buy an extra roomy man's jersey. Because that's totally going to fit my body shape. Thank you. Exactly. I, I do think the female body is not just a slightly bigger version of a man's body, dear listener. Um, but yeah. Oddly alarming how many male designers seem to not know that, though. Like, like yeah, wow. It's, it's really fascinating. And so, and then, and then, bless them, some people have a sense of humour about this and will preface it with, I know I'm going to sound like an absolute asshole, and and you're going to instantly respond, yeah, welcome to my life, but, and I love you guys, if you've ever done that to me, know that I really appreciate you and value you, because it's the ones who, who get really angry about it, but I want to buy a team kit for, I don't know, Velocio Stram, or, or Bowles Dolmans, and it's so unfair, you're really missing out on an audience, oh my god, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know how I can empathise with that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the sweet taste yeah. of shout. It, it should be. It should be. Ironically, it should be really easy to empathise with, given that you've actually been through that exact same emotional experience, <laughs> and yet somehow, just somehow, it just doesn't work that way. Weird odd isn't it so yeah so kits um buy more ki- um put more kits out there um oh and dear listener if you're any, at all involved in the team or a club really 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 consider because looking at what people click through on the links really consider making t-shirts yes that like supporters t-shirts because in terms of what people click through for i'm telling you not everyone can afford a really beautiful, you know, uh, expensive expensive cycling kit. But there are a lot of people who will buy pretty much anything with a women's cycling logo, with with your team logo written on it because they want to support your team. Yeah, exactly. T-shirts and caps, you know, seriously, like that's that's where there's a huge amount of casual fan, um, you know, interest. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and it's a good point, you know, when we talk about, um, not necessarily having the budget to do large runs of team kit or whatever. And, and particularly because if you haven't gone to the trouble of taking extensive pre-orders, it's really speculative, you know, how many in, yeah. in this size, how many in that size, you know, and, and team budgets are not huge. So uh, totally understandable that they couldn't do that. So yeah, things like t-shirts are way more, 
um, middle ground for everyone, really. Yeah, and people who feel a bit uncomfortable about... I mean, I know a lot of people do feel uncomfortable about turning up to race wearing a fan kit. I mean, maybe that's just being in Britain. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's like, you know, there is a kind of slight discomfort about that, but you can turn up in a yeah. in a, in a a fan T-shirt well, and everything... Exactly. Like, you can't go to a concert wearing a T-shirt of the band you're going to see, you know? You just, yeah, yeah, but... And with the rise of races, the Aviva, uh, at the Friends Life Women's Tour, the Viva Women's Tour, Over Women's Tour, one of the things that was really amazing about the first year was teams seeing people turning up in their kit and their T-shirts and stuff. And, mm. you know, and one of the things I loved about my one of my absolute highlight moments was introducing people. Oh, look, you're fans of Velocio Sram. Well, look, they're going to be coming around in a minute. Shall I, who's your favorite rider? Oh, look, she's riding past. Oh, hey, Tiffany, can you say hi to these people? Can I get a picture of you with these fans? And they're like, yeah, for sure. Oh, my God, you're wearing our kit. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. And this is the sort of thing that I think younger women's cycling stars aren't going to be able to empathize with so much because it's just going to be normal for them. Yeah, it's part of the landscape now. Yeah, it's absolutely normal for um, you know for 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 someone like uh, for, you know for a young for for one of the for one of the young young riders to have this. Say you're 22 or something. You've you've been racing with these amazing, fantastic crowds at the Ovo Women's Tour, and you've been seeing people turn up with signs and bags and can you sign this and. Yeah, and it's just normal for you in the same way it's normal for you that your parents can watch it on TV. You know, your parents in Belgium can watch it on TV, for example. You know, and that is we talked about this as part of our motivation for stopping. But it's so beautiful to see that. You know, it is. Uh, uh, Bridie O'Donnell, when she wrote, she very kindly wrote some nice words about me on Ella cycling tips, and one of the things that she wrote was that it's really hard for the young riders to understand how in the time before Twitter, before Twitter was so ubiquitous to understand what it felt like to be connected to other fans, you know, mm. to connect it to other people. And that's, that's, yeah. I, it's not exciting. Like, you know, like 21 and 22 and maybe 25 year old riders would just not understand the, what we talk about when we talk about what we first how we first knew women's cycling and i think it is actually you know one of those things that like you say it was it factored in for us but it's it's from the point of view of it is important to to take stock every now and then look back and and recognize the progress that's been made because you know we've been doing this you know in real terms so what is comparatively speaking a a pretty long time now but at the same time you know five years five and a half years six seasons isn't that long in the grand scheme of things yeah but there's been a lot of change in that time and and so it is important for for all of those subjective experiences of time type reasons to to actually go yeah you know what when we started it was like right at the the leading edge of of that twitter thing catching on and and stuff and here we are now where you know the other big category of of things that are popular on the site um outside of the ones we've talked about now are all the how to watch x race live oh yeah 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 you basically go the top 10 are mostly around kit Mm. and the next five or ten are kits and how to watch live yeah and maybe the next 15 
And it's amazing because it's like, and this goes from all years. This goes all the way back to, you know, how to watch the Commonwealth Games race or the Olympic race or whatever in those early years where there weren't as many to there's a lot of these top posts from the last two years in particular. And they're on really interesting and specific races, you know. Yeah. And, and what's in, what, one of the things that's interesting about it is that these are not posts that people come back to again. And, you know, these are not mm. posts that are going to have long lives because, you know, I mean, especially if I did it right and actually put the date of the race in, dear Sarah, for the future. <laughs> um, uh, it's... Yeah, they're, fixed, they're fixed at a point in time because the race is on on a certain date. So people are looking for, you know, let's say maybe four or five days before the race leading yeah. in you know but that's really the whole window and so for these posts to be in our top all-time most viewed things you know shows you how clearly there is an audience expectation that a it's going to be on live somewhere and b i'll be able to find it you know what when i first was writing looking at the stats dan and i have arguments about stats all the time <laughs> but when i was first looking at the stats i'd be sitting there going how how is it that that like this post that i've crafted and saying really interesting things is not getting any views at all but i can just you know all the things it's really good for your ego all the things that i write that get viewed are all the things that basically how to watch races my writing is terrible dan no one cares dan oh my god i'm just wasting my time dan because all i need to do is put the details and that's what the only thing people care about but and it was it was good for the soul in terms of I am not I am not an amazing cycling commentator I'm just providing information that no one else is providing. <laughs> but I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that like for example the first how to watch La Course post is still the biggest how to watch La Course post mm. and that's because if you've seen it live one year and know it's been on Eurosport one year the next place that you're going to look for it is on Eurosport you know. Yep. Yep. Like, you know, it was live last year and you knew and you know, it was. And also, as we've gone through the years, not only has this stuff been more um, been more become more, more, pop, more, more popular, but more people are actually telling you how to do it. Yeah. I mean, I really, really, really love Bowles Rentals Ladies Tour promotion. And Jesse Braverman, who's their PR, who's their PR, was always very kind and generous and would link to our site for how to watch a race mm. in her race in her race previews. And part of that is because that means that, you know, if I'm the one saying and then you download a VPN <laughs> <laughs> and then you find your pirate streams like this, you know, that's something that, that is better for me to do than the team. To yeah, do, you right? can't really put that on an official, uh, you know, race or team uh, page yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And there are various riders who are really, I mean, Megan Guarnier is one of them who are really, who would always share this stuff. And I mean, this is the other thing is that someone who is in, I don't know, Belgium, where sports is now showing a lot of women cycling across disciplines, yeah. they're not going to need it, right? Yeah, like, like their version of how to watch Race X live is push the power button on your TV. Yeah, if yeah, the, yeah, exactly. If the race is not on, push the channel button up one. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like it's... And this this is like this is like one of the things that's really interesting is that like one of them in the top twenty is how to watch the twenty sixteen Paracycling Track World yeah. Championship live. And that's above a lot of other races, a lot of other mainstream races. That's above um the the, the Olympics, for example. Yep. And that's partly because, well, everyone knows how to, you know, how do I find out what I can watch on the Olympics? Well, I'll just go to BBC Sports and see what they're telling me, right? Mm. But that was really interesting too. The next 
if we're saying, oh, ha-ha, women's cycling is in a really good place, if I was going to start with a similar motivation now, the motivation I might be pushing is paracycling. Yep. Yeah? Yep. Because paracycling is fantastic, amazing sport. Nothing is as good as tandem sprinting. Oh, my God. Everything that you do on a track, on a tandem. Oh, my God, it's amazing. And breathtaking. And that, again, I mean, that week where the paracycling in 2016 paracycling track world champs were on, all I was doing was basically chatting to especially Australian grandparents and parents who were up in the <laughs> middle of the night. And people going, oh, my God, how can I watch this? And people go, this is amazing. Oh, this is fantastic. You know, and, and, and linking people there. And that felt really, 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 really positive and a really good interaction. And, yeah, um, thank you again to everyone who's ever interacted with us and, like, chatted and, you know, chatted within races. Because I think, you know, watching races on Twitter with people is is awesome you know usually yeah. i mean god knows i am, will never ever ever regret stepping away from cycling when i think of races that use two different hashtags in their same feed <laughs> i can still see your eye twitching as you think about it. and uh. and races where they change the hashtag at the last minute having told everyone to use the official hashtag races where the hashtag is like 120 characters in itself mm. and races where Oh my God, the Giro Rosa. I mean, yes. Oh my God, Giro Rosa for the last couple of years where literally, oh fuck, there's no points. Like it's just, it's, yeah. And I think one of the things that I get stressed about with race, live race tweeting is, as you know, I've done it a couple of times yep. and it's not, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, when you're arguing from something from a place of, sometimes you argue, people go, oh, it's just not possible, Sarah. And you go, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really know. Thank you. And then, but there are other things where people argue, and it's from a place of, um, uh, you know, people are arguing. You're like, I've done it, I've done it, I know it's possible. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, yes, yes, exactly. Read. Well, uh, touching on something that you said um, just a little while ago, and and I understand where you're coming from. You know, when you look at the the stats of of most read and viewed and and whatever things on the site, it is easy to. Um, I mean, because it's, it's a very strong um, indication that the two most popular categories are the, the kit and race information ones that we've talked about. But I do want to say that I think you've found a place where you've had really, really strong advocacy and written about some really important things that have caught on with people. And in particular, I wanted to point out three posts that you've done. Um, one called, I am so sick of reading these stories, which is... <laughs> Broadly, I'm so laughing because I am so sick of reading this story. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's one about the um, the ongoing issues that that have existed in and around the sport for quite a while in terms of some smaller teams treating riders particularly poorly, not paying them regularly, and things like that. One of the other articles in a similar vein, um, which I quite love the title, um, is the one that you wrote called An Incomplete List of British Cycling's Issues with Women Riders. Um, oh, yes. Which, which again, you know, it's, it's one of our top posts. And it, it's, again, you spoke about a whole bunch of issues that, some writers had been outspoken about, but you brought them together in a way that I don't think many people had really thought of beforehand and and kind of highlighted, and, you know, you, particularly at the time that you wrote that, you know, British Cycling was trying to claim that they had been the world's best supporters of women's cycling or something equally ridiculous. It was a, no, it's around the Jeff Van, Je Jessica Varnish, who's a yeah. track cyclist, had talked about them. Basically, they she, she, she and another writer 
had complained about how they were treated rightly so in the tra- in the track world because they didn't get first of all they didn't get access to the track world championships one year because what had happened is is you have to ride and get your points throughout the track world cups and british cycling had had put in um development teams and small teams and as a result it meant that the that they couldn't get to the team sprint in the track world in the track world champs and then jessica varnish was dropped from her contract and she mm. put out a she put out that she was bullied and, and harassed by she was bullied by british cycling and they were no 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 and a lot of riders a lot of the the, the people who were in favor came out going no 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 i love british cycling cycling shane sutton is like my dad and i completely understand that for some riders they did have a good relationship yeah. with shane sutton and that he did really work for them and i i am not saying that that's not possible and i'm not disbelieving them it's just that this was framed as in the media Jess Varnish versus British Cycling. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, and a, a thing of, see all these people coming out and support, so clearly Jess can't be right. And it was a really yeah. valuable exercise to go back and go, well, actually, Nicole Cook, Vicky Pendleton, you know, and just start to list the many, many writers that there have been a history of yeah. issues with. And I and what I wanted to list, what that post was, was wasn't was a bit of commentary, but mostly just links to things mm. that had been talked about in the press. I deliberately linked to things that had been talked about in reputable and ma- in mainstream press, because with British, you know, for British cycling, this is like saying it's not just something in cycling news. This is something that was in The Guardian, for example. And I just wanted to link it to the ones that I could think of and remember in one place to show that this isn't something that's, this is, to me, it was a pattern, and here's the evidence. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of people weren't being evidence based either about it. You know, no. like it was like it was it was kind of, and I wanted to just have it as a, as you know, as as I said, an incomplete list of references, yeah. because people, you know, to, to to just to just show that this isn't it's not a case of this is one person's experience, but to say that this has been I have seen a pattern. And yep. here's the here's the citations, and you know I am exactly. You know, and if you if you've been following the sport for more than four and a half minutes, you'll you'll know about a lot of these people at, by reputation, and you may not have known about you know some of the more complex parts of their history with the organisation. Yeah, and yeah, and it's really important stuff. And and similarly, the other article I particularly wanted to mention um, was the one, and this is going back to 2013 now, cycling and the unspoken where you posed some really, I, f- I felt at the time, important and um, and not really mentioned, certainly at that time, but even now, not really talked about a lot of issues, particularly to do with things like diversity, like your first question, why is cycling so white? Yeah. And stuff like that. And, and again, that is one of our top posts of all time. And so... You know, I, I do just want to address that. I, I understand where you're coming from about looking at the stats and it, you know, sort of feeling like it's all jerseys and, and race watching. But the truth is we do have um, an audience and there is a real audience that are interested in these more complex issues and more, um, you know, nuanced discussions that the sport needs to have. And I think that's a healthy and positive thing. Yeah, I mean, I do look at it though. I mean, you got to admit the stats for cycling and the unspoken is nowhere near the stats as 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 how to how to how to buy a team kit and vote for your favorite kit. <laughs> well, yes, but but to be fair, the the how to vote for your favorite teams kit, as we've acknowledged before, was was wildly skewed by teams robo voting. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Whereas, whereas everyone, whereas everyone who clicked on your cycling and the unspoken article read the whole thing twice, like obviously. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think there are things like, I mean, I still don't understand why cycling is so white. It doesn't make sense when you look at the profile of cycling versus the profile of distance running, for example, mm. or the sport I grew up in, athletics. You know, the profile of athletics. Athletics is always this really bright for me personally. I grew up in southeast London uh, in Lewisham, which is the most diverse borough of London, right? And for me, athletics, when I see the British athletics team at the Olympics or the World Championships, it is everything from like the palest, whitest, redheadedest, freckled, you know, beautiful person on the one hand, right through to this massive, diverse, diverse range of people who from all different backgrounds. Now there is an issue about why um, Asian Asian British people aren't represented in a lot of sports. And I accept that in athletics as well. But it's like, you know, when you have someone like Jessica Ennis-Hill, for example, as the face of the British athletics team, she's also the face of young, modern Britain to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, as, 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 as a young, as a, as, you know, as, as a mixed race, absolute superstar, you know, being fantastic, she represents a lot. And, and I don't, so I don't understand why cycling is so white. I don't. And I especially mm. don't understand it. British cycling's, uh, the story of how people get to cycling is British cycling came to my school and I could get out of maths. So I tried <laughs> and they realized I had a really good watt power and blah, blah, blah. And British cycling is based in Manchester in a part of Manchester. In Manchester is a very diverse city. It's got a very big, especially Asian population. Mm. Um, but, and a growing Australian population, as an Australian. And a growing Australian. That's that's Dan's from. <laughs> um, Australians are everywhere in Britain, Dan. It's like it's like it's probably we've probably got more Australians in Britain than we have in some of your states. Um, yeah, that's possible, I suppose. We've got more Australians in Britain than there are Australians in Canberra. Well, Canberra's a city, not a state, so. Oh, yeah, I yeah. thought I thought it was a special thing. Uh, anyway, whatever. well, it's part of a territory, but that actually exceeds the boundaries of the city, so. You know, but it, like anyway. your, your, geogra- your geography's improved, I can tell, because you didn't think <laughs> that Canberra was in Canada for a start. So <laughs> no, but like, so there's something about where British cycling is. So which schools are British cycling going to? I don't necessarily. I think it, it's not. Some people get very angry with me when I talk about this because they're like, "Oh, you're saying cycling is racist," and it might not even be overtly racist. It could be, you know, like sometimes it, it's one of those things where people who are coaches naturally gravitate to people who they look at and see who, who are just, who remind themselves of them when they were a kid. Right. And if you are the type of person who would look at a black kid or an Asian kid and not see yourself in them because you're incredibly privileged and, you know, you, you, you wouldn't, that, you know, it might not be a deliberate racism, like in terms of we're deliberately not target I'm not deliberately not targeting uh black and Asian kids. It's just that it just so happens that everyone I see myself in is white. Mm. Even if it's not a deliberately malicious racist thing, it still can have a racist impact. Yeah? Yep. And I think there's something I mean, just as in the way that British cycling is paid for by government by 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 lottery ticket money yeah so everyone pays for it so it should be serving every member of the population every member of so that's why so why is it that british cycling will fund a men's team team sky not a women's professional team there are questions about why 
when we're being funded by national funding pots, do we only ever seem to find white people? And if they're only going to certain schools, there's only schools in white areas, that's not that's not fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are you know, it's important to question those sort of systemic biases and, and things. And particularly because there's a there's a hell of a lot of inertia in the way these things are done. You know, like way back in the day when it first started, they might have just gone to the local schools. Or and, a school friends worked at or something. Yeah, exactly, because they had an in, because it was literally just one person running the program and they hit their best mate up in the pub and, and that's where it started. And before you know it, it just comes under the heading of, oh, that's the way we've always done it. Yes, yes, yes. And no one's actually bothered to go back and go, hang on, you know, yeah. let's look and at it some can't of this be, stuff. And it's not because black and Asian people don't ride bikes because, holy shit, I live in a city. <laughs> and it's and it's not because... And the worst thing is, is every time I have this, and someone is thinking this right now, I hope, no, no, they're not, because our listeners are brilliant. But someone will say to me, but Sarah, it's because cycling is a very expensive sport and that's why there aren't many black people in it and i'm like oh did you hear the sound of my eyes rolling just let me go pick one up well it's like a there are middle class black and asian people absolutely everywhere in britain that's insane are you do where do you live because you know the idea that all black people in britain are poor is just just ridiculous yeah but b the fact that you're saying it's okay for british cycling to only have wealthy kids Yep. Be able to benefit from their program. That's bloody. That's even worse. That's just. No, not even worse, but that's just as bad. Yeah. Like, like, beloved friend, if you are considering making that argument, just let me give you this one piece of advice. There's no way to make that argument and not sound like an asshole. So just don't. Yeah. And if the thing is, if the thing is, British Cycling came to my school and I had as good a record as Lizzie Lizzie Danan or Joanna Rousel, but I couldn't afford to to do cycling because because cycling is expensive that's a terrible failure of the program yes and actually we should be when, when we, and when, when we're talking about you know and and also it's particularly it's when it's inc- called a um a talent identification program not a wealth identification program or yeah. a bike identification program you know yeah isn't like, it awful like the idea that they're i mean i've always wondered this about sports that are very expensive to equestrianism for example there are probably a ton of kids out there who would be naturally gifted equestrians but you know the chance of them ever getting to do horse riding Mm. is minimal and obviously that is one of the things that like athletics is seen as a cheaper sport because you know you don't actually need that much space to do it in and blah 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 but you know you all you really need is good shoes etc etc i mean that's not true but but, but yeah like, the perception but, but i think yeah. that's why yeah there is there's a perception that athletics is quite in a city mm. um and that and that's why it's so mixed but like it's not in a i mean as someone who went grew up in athletics clubs it's not just because it's cheap it's because the people made actual, actual direct outreach trying to reach all the communities nearby yeah. and reach out to people. And if people couldn't afford to do it because they didn't have running shoes, there were ways around that, you know? Yep. And that's especially when you're the incredibly rich British cycling. The exactly. idea that... Like, the, the idea that they don't have a bike from some 12-year-old kid last year who's outgrown it and, you know, well, the bike's here. We might as well find another 12-year-old or, or, kid or, they're or, not, or they're not, Or they're not lending bikes to 12-year-old kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or they're not linking people up to sponsorship or they're not kind of saying, okay, it's hard. Like I did when I used to do go to athletics meets. I used to get a bus when I ran with my club, my club would put on a coach and you'd get on the coach and the coach would take you to the athletics meets. Yep. And it was massively, massively, massively subsidized if it was, if it paid for at all, because what they wanted was their best runners turning out to, to be, to beat the other best runners, exactly. you know, to, to and represent that's, the region or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And shall we, well, London, you know, club huh. to them, but, um, geography dear. Um, Oh, what? It's in Britain-ish? I don't know. Is it any more? It's hard to tell. But the other thing is, even if people don't believe in increasing diversity from a a social justice point of view, yeah, like you said with the kit, from a we want to get as many medals as possible point of view, Mm. if you're giving more people the chance to get to take part in in cycling, you're going to hit a wider set of people who've got wider possibility of finding that cycling genius. Yeah. Um, another aside, I think it's absolutely fascinating that Manchester can completely find BMX riders who aren't whites, mm, mm. but don't, but that's not translating to other areas. And I think that there's something, there's something very, very, very interesting about it. Our BMX program is by no means as white as everything else, even though it's a smaller number of people. Yeah. So either they're, Either there's something there to look at. Anyway, that's a really long well, rant. Yeah, it yeah, is, still... It's a long rant, but I think it touches on a really important point that I think, you know, thematically, some of the things that, like, this is sort of one of those ones that it doesn't show up as a, a literal interest, but I think it's something that is revealed by the, the topics and interests that we've talked about so far, is that there is still this issue in particularly road cycling that so much of the organisational and decision-making processes are managed by old white men for old white men. Yeah. And and it, it's just wildly apparent that the the parties that are primarily responsible for how a lot of the sport operates and continues to operate are not reflective of the actual broader uh, fandom and audience for the sport as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All people who and, and and I really want to stress that the 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 fact that everyone is you know that only cyclists are only white is not just a British thing. Mm. It's really fascinating that when you look at uh, all of like cycling, when you look at the Netherlands and Belgium and France, um, you know, and Germany. And you look at the difference between who's in the peloton and who you know when you when you when you go through when you get on a train in Belgium, whether it's a train in Brussels or whether it's a train in a really small small place, you know, in in in, in the middle of nowhere that you're only going yeah. to because a bike because there's something to do with a bike race on. Belgium is not an all white country. No. <laughs> and when so. you look at their when you look at their football team or their other sports teams or when you look at other rugby teams for example, you can see that sports is not just a, an all white thing in those countries either. And the whole peloton, look at the USA. Mm. Why is it that cycling is still it's an unspoken thing, but cycling is cycling is still a very 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 white sport. Um the the, the French track program can get a really can get have got a lot more diversity a lot more diversity in the track program but then the road then their road program why is that what's going on here is there something you know is there and is there something that basically when people go oh well maybe maybe black and black people black kids don't want don't don't apply so but no you have to do effective yeah. outreach and actually, exactly was... you can't re- you can't sit back and 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 insist that others apply for you to, to yeah meet and what are you goals. doing to make it i mean if i had a mixed race daughter mm. and she wanted to do and she wanted to do cycling i would have 
worries about whether it would be a whether it would be an environment that would be nice to her, especially yeah. in the context of British cycling and Austro- cycling Australia, USA cycling's yeah. track programs having bullying, having bully- endemic endemic bullying problems. Would would my mixed race daughter be be safe? You know, be yeah. be safe in these programs. Whereas I know that in the athletics club. There's going to be a ton of there's going to be a ton of other kids who look just like her, you know. Like this is this is the thing about it is that is that you you also can't blame people for not applying to somewhere where they don't feel they'd be recognised. And women say this about cycling clubs all the time, and it's going to be this it's going to be double so if you're a non-white woman. Anyway, uh, the other things we talked about was eating disorders and mm. how prevalent that is. And I recently read Lauren Roney's blog about the impact on her her bulimia had on her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it. She was talking about like, even though she's, you know, she's even though she's, you know, in recovery from her eating disorder, yeah. it's having massive impacts on her from her teeth to her to, to other parts, other parts of her body. And it's like, yeah. it's a really it's something that that she just wishes she, she could go back and, you know, talk to her younger self about. And yeah, yeah, that's still something, you know the idea that the power to rate ratio keeps going up and up and up and up and never, never hits yeah. a point where you're, where it, where it actually becomes damaging. Yeah. Those sorts of things still need to be talked about and addressed. Exactly. They do. They do. And, you know, I take some, um, sense of satisfaction from the, the fact that over the years, um, we and you in particular have helped us um, to to start to address some of those things. Yeah, um, I still say that I think it's much better, at least in the women's side than the men's side, because at least women have a, uh, a a framework to talk about eating disorders in, mm, mm. you know, culturally and so you know culturally and socially. Yeah, and yeah. I I do feel like it's harder on the men's side where there's there's so much that's so wrong about glorifying glorifying basically starving yourself to death yeah and then being and super without tough ever on top asking. of it yeah 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 exactly it's yeah. starving yourself to death and being dope being doped up because i genuinely don't believe that i mean the thing about the power to weight ratio is the the idea that the idea that you can get you never get to a point where your lack of weight is a problem for you is yeah. it's just meant demonstrably false and, and you know and anyway your lack of dietary intake i mean that's the thing you can't live on glucose gels you just can't and yeah and we, we see this you know this is why there are so many tues like you know um this is one of those ones like in the in light of the recent Froome allegations and and stuff where why are so many pro cyclists you know asthmatics and the thing is actually the science does tend to support the fact that because they put their bodies under such extreme duress basically all of the time, many yeah. of them develop or uncover previously untapped depths of asthmatic <laughs> condition, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing, you know, and it is part of any elite sport that it is deliberately trying to push the body to the limits of what it can do. Part of the endemic problem of that is that it therefore will also always push people past those limits. Yes. And I don't feel like there's much of a duty of care towards towards sport, towards the people no. who, who, who do these sports. Like, I feel like and this is a role for national federations. You know, we talk mm. about the bullying, we talk about harassment, we talk about sexual sexual abuse in, yeah. in the peloton. I mean, God knows all those awful stories that have come out over the years about yeah. people who've been pressured by, you know, you know, that if you sleep with your DS, then you'll you're likely get to get races. a ride. Yeah. And yeah. conversely, you worry that if you don't sleep with a mechanic or DS or whatever, then 
you that you won't be given a ride and if you're not riding you won't be able to get into another team yeah. and you know i think it was bridie bridie o'donnell talking about the stuff that she's experienced but oh my god i can't wait for bridie's book but oh, like yeah. but saying that it was or, or miranda Vries talking about being um sexually you know she was yeah, sex, assaulted. well being yeah. yeah assaulted on the massage table yeah but and saying that you know they were very very well educated women mm. who'd had careers in tough industries before they entered cycling and still were shocked and and didn't sometimes know how to respond to those things. no and it's especially difficult because people talk about the fight or flight mechanism right but it's mm. not it's fight flight or freeze and yeah. i know from my experience that when when something happens that's so out of the that's so out of the ordinary you literally don't know what to do in the moment mm. and it can take you a while to process it afterwards yeah. And then you're kind of stuck with, well, I didn't tell him to stop. So maybe it was my fault. Maybe he thought I liked it or or I told yeah. him to stop. But maybe I told him in a way that he didn't take it seriously. And oh, my God. You know, and, and there's that. that and, and, and I, there's that thing exactly where, where we don't talk about it very well, because, you know, the most common um, expression of, of that particular um, response is when we talk about, you know, having that regret after an argument of, oh, I wish I'd said this and thinking of the perfect zinger. Yes. But that's the exact same response. Like you get frozen in a moment, and you don't know what to do and you spend all this mental energy after the fact, thinking it over and trying to work out what you could have done differently. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's an extension and a much more extreme example of it. But the point is it's a really natural response and you know it is important i think to not um you know add additional damage or difficulty to the lives of people who've who've experienced these things by questioning what response they had fight flight or freeze yeah you should have done this why didn't mm. you do that you should have said something why did yeah. you let this happen to you i would never let it to happen to me because i would have just kicked him in the face well you don't know yeah and that's and again i i come back to the fact that it's probably at least as bad as it is for women at least we have a narrative to talk about a framework to talk about it a mm. while because one of the unspoken things in men's sight you know men men couldn't mention this because you know in the women's peloton it's okay to be gay for example there's yep. no there's no out gay professional cyclists on the men's side and that's just unfeasible and it's that's so you know which makes me think that that's not about at all about diversity uh, it's about it's about know, fear and yeah exactly yeah, like 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 that's the thing you can't put uh, a group of you know 200 odd professionals together and not statistically have some um you know people with different um sexual backgrounds and and stuff orientations there, so. yeah exactly yeah, you're yeah. gonna find you're always going to have to find someone who someone who's someone who's gay in that group because yeah. it's just it's just numbers and yeah, and that's you know that, that mm. that's interesting. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so changing, yeah, so those, changing those are our... Yeah, sorry. Those yeah, those are our, some of our top all-time things. Um, just changing tack slightly, I wanted to ask you as sort of a wrap-up: What would you hope is the top women's cycling story of two thousand and eighteen? Oh, you mean that? Oh, I, I don't know what in what context. Well, you know, like, like given that we've just talked about this without context. Well, yeah, no, fair enough, and I play that card all the time. So I do, I do love a good, I do love a good game of context. Um, yeah. So, well, in the context of everything that we've talked about, how there's you know this wealth of of um, people on our site looking for how to buy kit or voting for the best looking kit or or how to watch races, etc. Plus, with these mix of other sort of more politically charged topics and stuff like that, like 
what 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 would be the type of article if not the exact article the the kind of thing that you would love to see be a really popular story in 2018 um uh the cyclist alliance uh it's a new thing mm-hmm. if you haven't heard about it it's uh basically a group of women riders um it, it's specifically i think their offices at iris slappendale carmen small and gracie elvin have basically yep. set up a, a women's cycling union now they're not the first play type people to do this i know that there's been ones from the american side but they always kind of failed because they were north american focused only and you know quite frankly the cycling is a much more international is an international sport and i think maybe there was a yeah i mean it it was never quite worked i think because it was simultaneously trying to be just for north american riders and north american racing and also for pro stuff and that didn't work because the vast majority of pros aren't north american so i so this one so this one feels really they've obviously put a lot of planning and thought into it they've got a lot of um uh, I think Iris has done a lot of work while she was on the women's uh, the, the, the women's commission at the UCI yeah. and she's they're wanting to basically have women riders make their voice heard and get some of these some of this bullshit some of these you know I hope that you know that where well, there's no need to write articles about how women aren't paid in the future or Brian Cookson is intervening into a into into the debate about the Col- Colombian team's kit because someone's put uh-huh. up a doctored Photoshop picture of it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hope yeah. that, and that's really exciting. I think the change in women's, the change in who's leading women's cycling and who's leading women's cycling conversations. I am absolutely delighted if it turns out that that's that that's women riders. You know, awesome. that is amazing. That's what I. Yeah. So what I really want to have as my top story next year is the changes that we've talked about wanting for absolute years coming into play. Yep. and there being a better representation of women's of, of women's cycling once it's on road i want that to spread across all the spots i know that cycling cyclocross is pretty good at it mountain biking because it's a younger sport and it's got some really savvy marketeers involved in it yeah. um, understands that women uh, women women that women are consumers too and uh yeah i want to see that that's what i want dan and i cool. want you know i just i just want it i want i want people to not even be going on sites like ours in the next couple of years to look for women's cycling on tv because they can just turn on their oh, Eurosport or their sports or their nos or or their bbc and find it you know mm, that's mm. That, that's that's the kind of that's the what i want for christmas dan what about you cool. what do you want for christmas uh, look, it's actually the Cycling Alliance was mine um, as well. Like it's, it, <laughs> it's like it, it, I think you said it really, really well. It, like it's just, it, I mean, obviously it's early days and we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but it does feel like this one has the the right momentum and and strategy and things behind it. Like it just feels like it's going to have an impact, and I really look forward yeah. to seeing what that is um, because I, I think it's potentially going to be very very positive for the sport as a whole yeah no it's fantastic and those i mean those mm. the iris is, is is obviously it's very close to her heart yeah and there are there's a lot of things that are still very wrong with women's cycling i mean mm. god knows i am sick of hearing about realizing that riders aren't riding because their because their team manager has is is an asshole yeah yeah and you know, and I'm just really happy about it, and I wish it all the success for the future. Indeed, indeed. Well, speaking of success for the future, um, you know, Christmas awaits, and um, 
I guess it's it's close to time to to let our friends get on with their uh, various celebrations. Yeah, um, thank you so much. As always, you guys are so special, and thank you to everyone who's ever engaged with us and talked to us and commented on our commented on in any way possible. I, I really love you guys, and dear, I really love you, dear listener. And <laughs> thank you, I, I appreciate you, and it's been mm. it's been a really fun journey and it's been really fun to kind of revisit some of this stuff and yeah and i hope i hope i hope you have the women's cycling that you want for 2018 as well yes yes assuming that you want positive and good things of course um and yeah thank you for listening and from us to to you we hope you have a, a safe and enjoyable christmas slash solstice slash holiday slash hanukkah nothing, slash anything yeah. nothing slash nothing that's mine slash yeah. eight eight slash atheist family avoidance uh, yeah. <laughs> slash festivus <laughs> slash whatever uh, yeah. you know break and um and look after each other and um and remember to wave friendly uh, in a friendly fashion to other cyclists on the road and i i hope 2018 brings you everything you want 